Rammies, are you interested in a sensual bite of chocolate to support intimate moments and long-term sexual wellness? An all-natural aphrodisiac formulated with nine potent compounds to support sexual wellness today and every day. Well, we know that great sex starts with chocolate, and our favorite chocolate is Alice Mushrooms. You've heard us talk about them in the past. They have the Brainstorm and Nightcap chocolates, and now they have an all-new flavor called Happy Ending, and it is so good. So what happens in this pairing of herbal supplements and nootropics is that they created a product that works instantly and only gets stronger, more potent, and effective with time. Enjoy one dose of happy ending daily to improve sexual wellness. For immediate arousal, indulge in at least 30 minutes before a sexual experience. Let us know, Rammies. And you can use our code RAM20 to get 20% off when you check out at www.alicemushrooms.com. Enjoy. Welcome back to Right Answers Mostly, a podcast on what you didn't learn in history class, but you really wanted to. My name is Claire Donald. My name is Tess Palomo. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday or whatever day you're listening on. We are so happy to be back with you. We really are. Thanks for thanks for sticking with us. If you're new here, welcome. Yes, we like to say that history is just gossip, which is really true. Usually, Tess and I will have a cocktail or a joint. Um, if you listen to our Bob Marley episode last weekend, you know what you know what we're talking about. You sure do. And yeah, I'm like maybe. Maybe, maybe I take a break from <laughs> from smoking for for the non Patreon episodes, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. We do our best, um, but right now we're having a cup of tea. We're feeling very, very zen, zen win. We are f- feeling zen. It's Valentine's Day here at Spotify. Yes, guys, it's so funny. There's like a DJ in the lobby, and Tess and I are like, should we just like grind on each other? <laughs> There's like no one dancing, but they went all out. It's so cute. They have like little cards, Spotify themed Valentine's Day cards. It's love is in the air. Love is, and it feels it feels nice to be surrounded by that. So. You could say that. You you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk on Patreon, guys. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk on Patreon. Um, Patreon, if you don't know, is our membership of $7.99, our little membership club. $7.99 mm-hmm. a month. You get two bonus episodes. You're added to our close friends list. You find out what episodes are coming out for the month, so you see our schedule. We talk about our personal lives. We talk yep. shit about celebrities. There's just, yeah, things have been going on lately for me that yeah. with time I will talk about on Patreon. So if you're curious at all, we'll, we will get to that. She's and in her Saturn return, people. Y'all, my Saturn has, has returned. returned. Haunting in the most beautiful way. That's the new Casey Musgrave song, Deeper Well. I've, I've had it on repeat. Let's just say that. Okay. That's good because I, w- I was wondering if you were still – because I was about to put on in the bathroom the other day, and then I was like, I'm going to give it a beat. Well, because last week, Tess, I-, I was like, the music video is so beautiful, and she's like, I haven't seen it, and she turned it on, and then I was sitting behind her, and all of a sudden, you just heard like a blah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my baby. I was wondering. I was like, when is she going to release? And that was the release. And sometimes our favorite artists, they come out with a new album at the time that you need it the most. That's true, and I do feel like Casey – our friend Alice said it the other day, Casey is my soul artist. I feel that. Like, I wish I had a soul artist, and I actually don't know how to answer that question. I think there are a lot of different artists, and it will just find you. That's true. You know, and that, then you'll just know. That is true. For yeah. a while. Were you going to say Taylor? Um, I'd say for a while, it was Father John Misty is what came uh, to my mind. Like, he what really, a sexy soul artist, am well, I right? During my Saturn return, oh, I right. saw him, like, twice in a year, and I felt very, like, I needed that. Mm-hmm. And he, like, got me through a lot. They you always know? do. They, like, truly. Like, you just are like, damn, that hits hits home. The fact that Father John Misty is your soul artist is just, like, incredibly hot. Who <laughs> would have thought? But yeah, he, sp- he spoke to me. Good. We all just need that. We do. So that's all to say, join us on Patreon, and you'll 
we'll we'll discuss. We get even deeper, more vulnerable, and also talk shit. And not only do you get two new episodes a month, you have the whole catalog of every single Patreon episode we've ever done. Yeah, we were asked that today. There's tons ever since. Um, I mean, I mean, we started. We started. A year and a half ago, right? Yeah. On Patreon. So, yeah. like, you got everything. You get everything. You also get first access to merch, which merch, we still have the sale because we're like, why why the hell not? Yeah, guys, we love you. That's love why you. we do it. And we really just want to see you guys wearing merch. So, if you have bought merch, please post us on your socials and tag us at Right Answers Mostly. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on where uh, threads, apparently. Uh, apparently. <laughs> I mean, we do have a following on threads. You just never but know it. No one's really like taking off on threads. Like, mm. I think it's trying to be like Twitter, and I don't think it's going to have the same effect. And that's okay. Yeah. But you know we, we do what we can with our social media. We're doing our we're doing our goddamn best. We are, you guys. But yeah, just um, so, you know, buying merch and going on Patreon supports us to keep doing things for you guys. Like yes. it all goes directly back into getting more merch. Like we would love to do some spring merch. We would love to go on tour to more cities. So like. Get on Patreon. We can go on tour. That's right. And just so you guys know, sooner rather than later, we're talking Texas, which is perfect with the new Beyonce album. We just I'm like, is this a Patreon episode? <laughs> yeah. Going oh, off. Let's just talk. Sorry. <laughs> we need it. Um, yeah. Uh, Texas is the first choice. Our little Texas queens That's and That's right. Texas is calling. So just be on the lookout for that. But Exactly. Well, Tess, should we just get into... I've been waiting so long for this episode. I've actually been staying with Tess, so I've been like every night being like, I have to go back and research. And then this morning, I walked out of her guest room and I just went, it's done. Or I'm done. And she went, done with what, baby? <laughs> and so the research process had concluded. Oh, you've been working hard. We, we're talking Madam C.J. Walker. Mm. Tess, initially... Anything that you want to say that you know about Miss Madam C.J. Walker? The only thing I know... Can I say? Say. It's probably going to be the episode title, right? Say. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. That That's the only thing I know is that she was the first black female millionaire. She was the first female self-made millionaire. So black, white, brown, first wow. female self-made okay, millionaire. Okay. I, I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. I know. Damn. And like self-made, baby. We love that. She's not an Epo baby. And she's not one of those Epo babies that says that they're self-made. <laughs> yes, exactly. Being like, but like I had to work twice as hard because of like to prove to people It was not actually like harder for me. I'm like, was it? Was sure, it Jan. Sure. Barf. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's exactly right. That's the only thing I know and that you've been wanting to do this episode for probably two years because it was one of the first ideas that you you had on your list. Yeah, she – I forgot how she even came into my mind. I mean, there's the Netflix show on her called Self Made, and I've been watching that. Um, it's interesting, <laughs> I feel like. It's, yeah. Yeah, Octavia Spencer – plays Madam C.J. Walker, and she is actually the best part of that show, like, easily. She is such a good actress. It's incredible. I love seeing her in – remember When a Date with Tad Hamilton, that movie? Yes, but she's in that? She is the, like, grocery store attendant, and she has, like, two lines, and she's like, can I get out of work? I'm sick. (laughs) And I'm like, Octavia Spencer. She Did you know that she was in an improv group with Dak Shepard? God, Hollywood is just a crazy place. It's crazy, but hey, this isn't an episode on Octavia Spencer. It's on Madam <laughs> C.J. Walker, but she's great. Um, so I think maybe, you know, just also hearing the fact of like the first self-made female millionaire, I'm like, I want to know more. Of course. We love some rich women. Yeah, we really do. We really do. So um, my sources to start us off um, on her own ground, which is a biography by Madam C.J. Walker's great, great granddaughter and uh, the History Chicks podcast. Our stepfather, Wikipedia, in mm. a, ver- a Vanity Fair article by Johanna Desta. Vanity Fair. Yeah, we need to talk about Vanity Fair really quickly because that is also uh, – A family member. She is a the rich aunt. 
Tess, I'm so glad you said that. I was thinking about that on my run today, and I was like, I'm thinking rich aunt, but I would like to see where Tess is. I love when we're on the same page. She's definitely the rich aunt. Like, so beautiful. And, like, she probably doesn't have any kids. Maybe she does, but probably doesn't. And just has, like, all, like, the old designer that she gives to you. The Uh, designer clothes and jewels and shoes. Yeah, she drinks martinis. She just has so many, like, bracelets and and rings on. Oh, Oh, I love it. I love it, too. So, yeah. Thank you, Vanity Fair, for your service. Always. Okay. So here we go. Madam C.J. Walker, she was recorded as the first self-made millionaire uh, in America. Oh, that's a female self-made millionaire in America, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Did you ever go to that museum? No. Where is it? It's all over. I mean, we had one in Branson. Branson is like the trash, trash, trash for us. For old us. people, Midwest, Vegas. I don't think I ever went to that museum. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, she made her fortune by developing and marketing the line, uh, a line of cosmetics and hair care products for black women through business, the business she founded, Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company. She became known for her philanthropy and activism, and at the time of her death, she was considered the wealthiest African-American businesswoman and wealthiest self-made black woman in America. Damn. So how did she do it? Okay. So her name is obviously... Well, not obviously. Her name's actually not C.J. Walker. Her name is Sarah Breedlove. Oh. Mm -hmm. So we've got a Sarah. She was born. Do you want to guess her sign? Okay. Let me think. First female self-made millionaire. Capricorn? You got it, Tess. (gasps) Oh, my God. I never get it right. (laughs) Of course she's a Capricorn. She means work. She means business. That is her life. And she's going to be rich no matter what. Of course. So she was, Sarah Breedlove was born on December 23rd, 1867, close to Delta, Louisiana. Capricorn queen. Mm. Um, Her parents, Owen and Minerva, were Louisiana sharecroppers who had been born into slavery. Sarah was their fifth child, and she was the first member in her entire family to be born free. After the Emancipation Proclamation. Wow. Yeah, I think she was the fifth of seven, I believe, um, but the first in her family. Wow. Right. So in 1874, when Sarah was old enough to enter the first grade, um, the state legislator declined to fund public schools in Louisiana. Trash. Which, like, I mean, we've always had history of education. We really should. Because I just, like, I didn't even know that. So by then, the Freedmen's Bureau had disbanded and it's uh, had disbanded its education division. And I was like, what's the Freedmen's Bureau? So the Freedmen's Bureau provided assistance uh, to tens of thousands of formerly enslaved people. So it helped uh, freed people establish schools, purchase land, locate family members, and legalize marriages. Like, I didn't even think about legalizing marriages. What year was this? This was, um, it was in eight, it was after the Civil War, it was in 1874 when it declined to fund public schools. Mm. So it was probably in the early 1870s, late yeah. 1860s. Wow. Um, the Bureau also supplied necessities such as food and clothing. It operated hospitals and temporary camps and witnessed labor contracts between freedmen and plantation owners or other employers. So it really just set people up because all, you know, people finally had their freedom, Yeah, but that's all they were given. It's not like they were, it's not equity. So much damage had been done. Like this is the least that they could do. Exactly. But um, public schools for black children were established at this time and states began to set up their own um, education system for all children. But funding limitations and deeply held racist attitudes forced the Bureau to close in 1872. So it's like people... One step forward and mm -hmm. then just like... Right. Well, I feel like you 
are, we're about to say this, free men and women obviously sought education for their children and themselves, but planters feared a literate workforce um, because that might mean that people would choose to educate their kids instead of putting their kids to work, Mm -hmm. you know, and having like barely paid labor. Yep. So of course, a lot of people discouraged education. Great. Right. So African-Americans were largely abandoned to contend on their own with persistent racial attitudes and discriminations. Many continued continue to work for their former masters as sharecroppers or tenant farmers in a vicious cycle of debt servitude. Yeah. So it was just really made it feel like it was impossible for people to get on their feet. Oh, my God. So this is what Sarah's world is at this time. Mm. Um, Sarah actually only had three months of formal education, which she learned during Sunday school literary, literary lessons at church. Wow. So it's like we know where the story is going, which makes it even crazier that she becomes so rich. Damn. Against all odds. Damn. And we, lo- we love that We love story. that. We do. Sadly, her mother died in 1872 or 1873, um, likely from uh, cholera because the water was not sanitary cholera, back then. Cholera is another one that it's just like, damn. I think of like the Oregon Trail again. I truly think of the Oregon Trail. I think of the Donner Party. Oh, yeah, I think of um, that movie where it's like that pale girl that dies of cholera. <laughs> it's not Little Women. No, she dies dies of scarlet fever. God, I mean, it's just, we talk about this all the time. The past, just like disease. The past is tough. The past is really tough. So her mom uh, dies of cholera when she was five years old. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, her father remarries, but died a year later. So Sarah is an orphan at seven years old. How did he die? They actually don't know. They They don't don't have record of, like, the exact way that he died. Maybe from a broken heart? (sighs) It's, like, always when it, like, happens so quickly. I know. After your spouse. Like, it's just, like... And he did remarry fast, but it's almost, like... I feel like back at the time, it's like you had to try to just get married to have another person to watch over your kids. Yeah. Well, it was such a status thing, too. You know, it was. Um, marriage was a status truly, thing. Truly. It's like if you were, st- which like we still even see today, yeah. like we're like slowly moving on from that. But you still see like, oh, your successful life looks like this and you have marriage, kids and good job. Which is so weird that like, like that has anything to do with success. It's, yeah, truly. But hey. Don't have kids if you don't want to, people. Yeah, please, please don't do and it. And don't get married if you don't want to. Please don't like, do, do it. Do your own thing. Live your truth, truly. people. So Sarah, at seven years old, has to move to Vicksburg, Mississippi. This is where one of her sisters, um, Lavinia, lived. And her sister was married to this guy named Jesse Powell. And Jesse Powell seems like a real piece of shit. I was just going to say, there's dark energy even with that name. Jesse Powell, not for us. No. Trash, 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 not for us. Oh. Sarah described Jesse as cruel. She suggested but never fully revealed the extent of his threats, taunts, and abuses. So, yeah, we can... We can guess. Um... Like, Jesse saw Sarah living with him. It wasn't like, oh, your little sister is now an orphan. Of course we're going to take care of her. It was like, if you're living with us, you're a burden, so you better get to work. So she has to go become a domestic servant at 10 years old. Oh, my God. She's stripped of a childhood. Oh, my God. She was just old enough to work as a laundress at 10. And at this time, laundry work was so difficult and annoying. Like, I mean, it is now, too. Laundry is... One of my least favorite. It's the folding of the laundry that's tough for me. It's really satisfying to, like, put it in. Yeah, yeah. But to take it out, sometimes I'll just even leave it in the dryer for weeks. Same to us. Just looking at it, be like, I can't bring myself to do it. That's why all my clothes are wrinkly. 
same. It's just the worst. It's so annoying. And it was like even worse at this time. And it was actually the it was so bad and annoying that it was the main chore that 19th century white women would hire someone to do if they had like the slightest bit of disposable income. So well, because you're doing everything by hand, everything by hand, and then you're hand. like having to. Oh God. Yeah. So it it was rough times for Sarah, and she was just like, I have to escape which situation I'm in right now. And one of the only ways to escape when you're a young woman at this time is marriage. Marriage. No, not ten. Yeah. Not uh, so ten. fourteen. Oh, great. <laughs> so she's so mature now. Just when your body's like, let's start making babies. Exactly. So at fourteen years old, she gets married to Moses McWilliams, and his age was unknown. There's no record of how old he was. Probably like in his thirties. I would assume he's like a grown man, especially if she's like, I have to get out of my situation. Like, I don't think like a teenager has anything set up yet. No. Moses is like an adult name. Imagine like meeting a teenager named Moses. I guess that's one of Paltrow's kid's name. Of course it is. Moses and Apple. Do she? (laughs) Do she? So Sarah said, and like, obviously it's exactly what it is. It's a form of escape. She said, I married at the age of 14 in order to get, um, to get a home of my own. Nothing more, nothing less. There was no love there. But you still had to have sex, right? Yep. Um, Sarah and Moses had one daughter, Lilia, who was born on June 6, 1885. That's Ada's birthday. Ah, Anita's birthday. Ge- Gemini Queen. Gemini Queen. That is such a gorgeous name. Lilia. Yes. I'm, I hope I pronounced that right at the beginning because that's her great-great-granddaughter's name who wrote her biography as well. I love that name. Lilia. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. So becoming a mother gave Sarah's life like all new meaning as it always does when she was um, like 15 she had her she was uh yeah probably because she got married when she was 14 so probably about 15 yeah she was determined to protect her daughter and give her a better life that she had she was determined to give her an education that she had never gotten and for the rest of her life lilia was the source of sarah's motivation Aww. i know and then moses died in 1887 or 1888 and there's no confirmation on how he died there's like been a bunch of different stories out there but likely it was from labor work that there was just an accident Mm. and like back then if you had a family member that died from labor work it's not like you had any government help to like you know did he leave her any money no so sarah was 20 years old and leela was two so okay oh actually then she was 18 when she had Mm. lilia um and she was a widow at 20 years old like it's already enough for it's it's too much for someone to take all of this. It's too much. Why didn't he, did he not have money? I don't think that they they were always really struggling. Oh, I see. For some reason, I imagined him like being more successful. No, I think it was just it was just a home that she could get out of. Got but it. it wasn't like she was never really thriving uh, until she made it happen on her own. Damn, I know. So Sarah's like, okay, what are my options? There's no way I'm going back to my sister's house and to Jesse. Yeah, she's like, that was a very hostile environment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. And there's so little little opportunities for me here in Mississippi. Like, I know I have to get out of Mississippi. So in 1889, Sarah moved to St. Louis, Missouri with two-year-old Leela. And I think she went on, like, a steamboat ship or something like that, which was not kind, that experience. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Nothing on a boat was kind. <laughs> Nothing on a boat is kind to this day. It's true. Unless I it's said like, it. I love a speedboat on a lake, you know? Speedboat on on a lake, a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Those are great. Or what's it called? Like when like we went out in like a Austin. pontoon. A pontoon. Love a pontoon. But a steamboat in the 1800s, I just imagine was not it. 
Yeah, you know, for sure. But she made it happen. So her four brothers lived in St. Louis and they worked as barbers. And at this point in time, a lot of black men were starting to become barbers because it was a job that you can control on your own and you can move up very quickly, start a community. Okay. Um, So she moves into a place in St. Louis that's more like a room than an apartment, which I... (laughs) I'm also looking at studios right now, so I understand. Studios can be so they can cool. You You make it happen. You make it happen. You do cool shit with it. Exactly. Um, So she starts working as a laundress again and as a cook, and she's earning barely more than a dollar a day, which today calculator is about thirty three dollars. Thirty three dollars a day at the most. Yeah. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. So as she's working as a laundress, she meets these two women who were also laundresses, and they all become very close, and they look out for each other. So these women prefer laundry chores in part because they could watch their kids while they worked because they did it at home. Oh, okay. So you would bring the laundry to you. Um So she was, again, like I said, determined to make enough money to provide her daughter with a formal education. And even though she could, like, kind of watch Lilia while she worked, she ends up taking her to an orphanage that Lilia stayed in as almost like a daycare. Mm -hmm. And it was started by these women in a church. that, And it was very, like, woman-founded, woman-focused. And so these women were like, we will look after her for you during the week while you're working. And then you can come get her and take her home with you on your one day off. That makes me want to sob. I know. And they also enrolled Lilia in school and made sure she was in school. Oh, God. The the power of motherhood. The power of women and sisterhood. community. Yeah, and the power of motherhood for sure. Like making it happen and sacrificing. I'm sure she didn't want to be without her daughter all week, you know? also like the guilt that you must feel of even doing that, even though that's the right choice. Like the... Yeah, what you must take on to make those decisions. Oh, it's just it, for for their greater good. Truly. So this is Sarah's schedule. On Monday, she would have um, a week's worth of laundry from two or three white families, and she would bring that all back. She would do all the work by hand in wooden wash tubs and iron pots of water that was steamy, steamy hot water. Oh, yeah. It was hard work. Like, the wet sheets and towels were so heavy. Oh God, and how hot you must be doing it. And you're washing the clothes with lye soap, and lye soap really a- irritates your skin. It has a very high pH level. Oh, yeah, because, like, it would, like... It would fuck up your hands, Yeah, right? it can – It can if you don't protect your skin when you touch it um, at this stage, it can cause, like, a chemical burn. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that before. Yeah, I'm like, what that is lye soap? Probably just, like – it's probably, like, what's equivalent to, like, like bleach almost oh, now. Oh, my God. Of, like, it's probably, like, really high in – I don't know. To, like, just kill things. Exactly. This isn't a science podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you see that someone said they liked our comment of this isn't a math podcast? No, but you guys know. And that could be merch. <laughs> yeah, that could, this isn't a math podcast. That's a good merch. That is good merch. Hey. We're always thinking. We're always thinking. We're not even smoking a sativa this time. Exactly. That's just our natural brain. Mm-hmm. Also, heated irons, flat irons, were heavy and dangerous. And she would work late into the night to meet their Saturday deadline. And then she would get one day off on Sunday and do it all over again. A week's worth of laundry from three different families. Yeah giving me anxiety and like think about what the clothes were like think about the women's clothes back then it's not like you just had like a little bra no or a pair of shorts like these are like huge heavy gar- garments 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 i always want to say gar- garnet they were garments, gar- garments that were shocking shocking huge <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like it's just sucks and Ugh. for the next decade sarah worked as a laundress and all the while she's thinking she's like 
what am I going to do when I get older and my back like goes out, you know, and like, how am I going to pull myself after this? Who's going to look after my daughter? Like, how long can this really go on? And she would endure more family tragedy. One of her brothers died. I think maybe a few of them had passed because, and I was saying this last night at dinner that I found out that the average life expectancy at this time for a black man was 33 years old. That is so crazy. It is so crazy. Women, I think, were a little bit older. It's just like, there were no health resources. There's, you know, people are doing labor work. I was just going to say, like, the trauma of the phys- physical, like, mm-hmm. what throughout the day and night mm-hmm. of just not getting proper food, care. water, care. 33 years old. Why is women's le- life expectancy generally more than men's? It's, like, one thing that we get. <laughs> I think that's just all what it is. I just think that's what it is, Tess. But, like, at that point. I know. Do we want do it? it? Do we even want it? <laughs> It's like the last cruel thing, actually. It's like, just keep suffering for the action. Yeah. Just for a few years longer. Oh, God, Uh, to be a woman. Truly. So church on Sunday. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. More tragedy. Ah, So um, she also gets married at this time. And I think at this time, it's more like companionship. I think it's a status thing again. I think Mm -hmm. that she's like, if she's married... Her status could rise a little bit. I don't blame her. You probably want a little bit of fucking companionship. Well, what sucked is that she married this guy named John Davis in 1894. And almost from the start, she regretted the decision. He was a drinker and he was very violent. So he was just like such a scrub. Was he black or white? He was a black man. Okay. And then like at this time, um, it was actually harder for black men to find jobs because Mm. a ton of immigrants were also coming in. So a lot of times it's like the women were the breadwinner of the family doing laundry work and um, cooks. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think that she held down the household. She's like, I'm married and I still don't get any like any benefits. Support, literally. Any benefits. So they eventually divorced in 1899. Okay. Good riddance. And then church on Sunday was really her release. She joins the St. Paul African Methodist Episcopal Church. And it was at this church where she meets like leading black men and women who are educated and fluent. And she's like, I could be that. Like I want to be surrounded by these people. It really inspired her. She's networking. She's networking. Got to do it. She she knows from the start. She's a Capricorn. Of course. Always networking, even when you're not. Even when you're not. Exactly. And there she meets this teacher named Jessie Robinson. And she helped Sarah so much. She was like, there's no reason that you can't learn to read or write. And I will help you. Oh, I know. Oh, no, I, I can't. I can't either. It's going to make me cry. Um, She's like, if there's night school, I will pay for it. Also, leave that scrub, John Davis. She's like the one who's like, you need to get out and you know, leave him. him. Dump him. Britney Spears shirt, dump him. Exactly. And um, lastly, let's start saving your money. What? What? What a concept. Like I would also need a Jesse Robinson. Same. Just someone to force me to. Seriously. But like, God, again, like sisterhood and womanhood and community to be like i've got your back we all need each other to help us out of our situation really do so um sarah eventually saves enough money to send lilia to school a school in knoxville tennessee for seven dollars and 85 cents in 1902 um which i looked that up but it's not here so you guys do calculator homework on your own if it was like a dollar for 13 Teen. Oh no! Don't make it make, a math why, I, why did I even start this? 
<laughs> I think it was like something like so then I think it was like three hundred something. Does that, that maybe, seem right? Yeah. Sure. 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 If we say so, then it is. Yep. So at 17 years old, Leela was admitted as a seventh grader. So she has to leave home in St. Louis. She was 17. She was admitted as a seventh grader because in school, she there would be years where she would be in normal attendance and years where they'd be moving around a lot and she would miss a lot of school. And they think that's because Sarah was trying to escape John Davis. And so she was moving around and then Lilia couldn't be in school and would get behind. And what a monster. So he was probably like really scary man. I think he was the actual worst. Um, oh, God. But she, you know, she in the school, she um, gets back on track and, you know, is starting to learn like all – Everything from the seventh grade level up. And it was yep. for high school and college students. Okay. So it's great that she's back in. Seventh grade this. was a fucking hard year scholastically. Seventh grade was a hard year also emotionally. It's You're going through a lot. I just remember being like, do I know, like, can I figure out anything in seventh grade? Like, I feel like all of a sudden you go from, like, counting to, like, crazy I, shit. I just felt like that in every day at school same the panic yeah exactly it just but hey we're here to we're here here to heal old wounds now we're wow. learning together yeah we are you know wow wow so anyways this is major that lilia is there it's like sarah feels so proud um and now that like uh lilia is in knoxville sarah can also start going to night school on her own and be learning through her own journey yeah and so the church where sarah was at was known for how charitable was and it's like obviously they were charitable in like major ways but they were also charitable in small ways about being like who in our church can't afford groceries this week and we will make sure that they have them we will bring it to them like the way that like church churches really should be yeah just focused on like community and support Focusing on loving your neighbor, like, like actually, actually loving, loving your neighbor. Yeah, exactly. Not just like when it's convenient for you. Mm-hmm. And it's around this time in 1902 that Sarah quietly starts seeing a man named Charles Joseph Walker. Do we like? Oh. CJ uh, Walker. Do we like? Um, We like in the beginning. Okay. You know, it's uh, yeah. It's, it's it's hard in history to find a man. Well, think about like the times. Like no, like most of these men are. We're not respecting women a lot. They're drinking, probably. They're drinking they, again, Luann. We're not brought up to really, yeah, respect, respect your wife or yeah any woman. Out of all of the men that she was married to, I would say, yeah, we like CJ the most. Yeah, but it's still not great. Yeah. So she meets um, CJ Walker. He lived in walking distance from Sarah. He sold um, subscriptions and advertising. He probably did some reporting for one of the St. Louis Three Black newspapers. Um, so he's successful. He's educated. He's ambitious. She like finally found someone because she's an ambitious lady. So she finally found someone that she's like, oh, I you can match my level. Nice. And that's so nice to find. It's so important. And so necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, he dressed really well. And she, so she's kind of like, all right, the CJ Walker, this could be a guy that I could like picture a future with. Is he hot? Um, he was played on the – I actually don't – I need to look up the actual picture of him. But in the show, he's played by the cookie um, – I love you cookie from Sex and the City Man. I love you cookie. The, um, the sports doctor. Blair okay. – I think his oh. name's Blair Underwood. 
Oh, yes, yes. Which he is. Talk about hot. Talk about a hot man, but God, that character pissed me off. I I was like, you need to. I found an article and it was like, why do Blair under, why does Blair Underwood always play the worst men? Wow. It's crazy. It always makes me wonder with those actors that always play the same character. I know they're like drawn to that character. (laughs) Yes. It's like, how do you play it so well? Damn. So that's, that's just picture that, I guess. Like, that's all I'm basically. I'm picturing it. (laughs) I'm picturing it, honey. I'm ready. Um, So she's like, okay, I could picture a future with this guy. She starts taking leadership roles in the church she's talking to this handsome man so she's just becoming more confident she's starting to like feel herself a little bit you know yeah but there Saturn was, return uh, well Saturn. she's like no, a she's little still... past she's like in her 30s now actually oh, wow. okay. she's in like her mid 30s now time has passed got it it was that decade of being a laundress you know oh jesus Christ. i know i know so there was a problem though that was really affecting her she was very self-conscious about her hair. Mm. So in the mid-1890s, shortly after Sarah married John Davis, her hair began to fall out, which like... From the chemicals, you think? Well, so she covered her hair with head wraps, and her hair loss hair loss at the time was not unfrequent for women, which yeah. is crazy because we just... We didn't have the proper, like, sanitary techniques, I guess God, is what you could say. That's so true. Um, it was usually a combination of infrequent washing, illness, scalp disease, low-protein diets, and damaging hair treatments. So all of the above. And I'm sure also hers was also triggered by stress from John Davis. Uh, tr- and just her life in general. Like, the depression, the, you know, the anxiety. Exactly. Damn, I mean, the scalp is a gross thing. We've been, our TikTok algorithm right now is all over the place. And one of the things we're seeing is like scalp treatments where they do that magnifying glass of what, even like what my scalp probably looks like. Having decent shampoo and conditioner probably oh, no. looks disgusting. Well, so if you guys don't know, I have this thing, and mm. our oh. friend Allison has oh, it I'm too. Sorry to no, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, God, don't say it. No, I, I, I have to say it now. It's where if I see holes, it, those who don't know, if you just look it up, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google like hole phobia. It's disgusting. And so when I see those scalp treatments, Oh, God. We should, how do we get that off the algorithm? But I do want a scalp treatment. I do as well. I just don't want, even want to see what I, it looks like. I don't want to see the follicles under or there. anything like that. Follicles never look good. And it, I mean, the word itself. And any type of place in your body. It's disgusting. <laughs> so Sarah was actually on the verge of becoming completely bald. Oh, wow. Like, it oh. was really bad. Oh, God. And, you know, some women wore head wraps to hide their bald, pat- bald patches. But Sarah was like, I don't want to do that. For one thing, head wraps um, would mark her a lower, lower social status at mm. that time. And she's like, we're leveling up. You know, like, I want to show off some looks. Yes. I want to be looked at as, like, high sexy. up in my community. Yeah, I want to be. I'm a sexy woman. I want to show it off. Truly. So I don't want to just settle for head wraps. So I just feel like we should take a moment to talk about hair history and identity especially with black women yes because i think a lot of times if you don't know and you were just to hear that you're like well it's it's hair whatever it's so much more than that Mm -hmm. though so growing up in the south sarah had been bombarded with messages that she was unattractive and that her frizzy brittle hair was ugly and that her skin color made her powerless and so if her grandmother or mother had learned like ancient african beautifying hair techniques those transitions were never brought down to her. Right. On most plantations, African traditions, tribal names, and religious practices were prohibited. And even if they were allowed, you know, enslaved people had little chance for intricate braids and like time-consuming braids mm-hmm. or corn or cornrows. And then slave masters would tend to just mock any efforts of like looking good. Yeah. 
Um, and then old wives' tales had convinced many women, black and white, that washing their hair once a month was more than enough. So some washed their hair even less in the winter because they were afraid of catching colds. Because if you like pour water on yourself and you're in an unheated house, right, you could oh. get so sick. My hair would be so greasy. It gets greasy after a day. Same way. Prone to grease. Yeah, exactly. And so if you're not washing your hair, there's all this scalp builds up. And then it makes it to where, again, like the follicles are blocked. And then your hair just starts falling out. And so the results were scalp disease, dandruff, lice, eczema, fungal infections, alopecia. And even as a child, like it's always been emphasized in this country. Mm -hmm. Sarah noticed the value placed on skin color and hair texture. It's... Even today, you of know, course, that yeah. media frequently reminded at this time and now that white skin and shiny hair were more valued than black skin and coiled hair. And during slavery, these physical traits have been used to maintain social, economic, and legal control over black people. So uh, this is upsetting. According to the book Self Made that um, her great great granddaughter wrote, White people used to compare black people's hair to that of sheep's wool, like using some pseudoscience as proof that people of African descent were more animal than human and therefore inherently inferior. So that's why it's like there is power in hair because it was used against black people. Of course it was. Yeah. Like anything that white people could could say just to, you know. And it's a, it's an impossible beauty standard. Like Hair texture is just different. No matter what, my hair texture is what it is. I can't change it. Totally. And so if there is a beauty standard that it's impossible and then it's shoved in your face that you're less than for that. It's just, it's completely unfair, obviously. Truly. And just that like women have to, and black women have to take the, all of that. And it's exactly, it's like the same thing of like women are held to higher standards of course, and you know. it's so much emphasis on beauty and, you know, trends and just look and trying to conform to look like a white woman. Exactly. That's, that's what it is. Exactly. And it wasn't just white people who um, enforced the social hierarchy based on skin color. Slaves and free people of color who could claim white ancestry, especially if they had a slave owning father that provided education, formed this like core this core of antebellum elite that clustered in dc philly charleston new orleans and a handful of other cities and they continued to distance themselves from those darker than themselves to protect their own social standing so this is like where colorism comes into play Mm, even too and this is like why representation is so important and to have these conversations because you know this was an important conversation of colorism on Real Housewives of Potomac. Shout out to our girl Candace. That's right, for leading that conversation. It, truly, and I'm sure it's very validating to black women, and then it's very important for white women to know about this as well. Exactly, you know? and to know hair practices. I'm like, that's why representation is so important too, is that we see on these reality shows. It's like, we all just need to know more about each other and have those conversations. Truly, because understanding and empathy is yep. what literally will make all of us have just more patience and love. I completely understand. It's all the fear. It's the fear of what you don't know. And that's why people do terrible things like, you know. Exactly, Tess. I completely agree. So it's just so much bigger than vanity. Of course. So Sarah was like, okay, I have to do something about this. I'm not just going to like shrink into myself. So Sarah found this product called Turbo's Wonderful Hair Grower. And it was by the Poro company that seemed 
or by the Poro company, and she starts using it on her hair, and it works. Oh, so it's growing back. Her hair is growing back. So Annie Turnbow Malone was the founder of that company. She had moved to St. Louis because of the upcoming 1904 World's Fair, and at this time, many women – this is so gross. Many women use goose fat, heavy oils, soap, or bri- bacon grease to straighten their curls. I just say it's gross because I just imagine like the smell, the smell of bacon the grease, of bacon and grease. the way it must feel on your hair. Wow, um, which damage both scalp and hair. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, please stop doing this. <laughs> please let me breathe. Wow. So Annie studied had studied chemistry in school, and she was like, no, 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 ladies, we cannot do that hot. to our hair anymore. It's hot. so hot. So the product worked on Sarah. And she becomes one of Annie's earliest sales agents, um, joining her in 1903. So she's like, your product worked so well on me. I want to take this oh, cool. and sell it. In the show, they made Annie out to be really bad and like really cruel to Sarah. And in mm. my research, I never – we'll talk about Annie later because there are definitely some competition that starts a brewing. Oh. But I never found how like cruel she was to her like she was in the show. Do you think they like romanticized that relationship on the show? I think I think that they heightened it. Also, yeah, heightened is the yeah. word. I mean, they like to, you know – pin every show likes to pin some female friends yes. or coworkers against each other exactly in some way. exactly in hollywood truly so um by being a sales agent for annie's hair care products she could make double or triple what she was making as a laundress so she made a dollar fifty a dollar fifty a day which today would be about ninety dollars so she's leveling up uh, she, you know what we love the growth yep we do still you know wish she had more but she will she will so with Lilia at school Sarah decided to move to Denver in 1905 at oh. 37 years old yeah Denver? Uh, Denver I know I, I don't know well I think she moved there because um, Annie was like go off and be a sales agent at Denver I guess okay. um, so she left with $1.50 in her pocket and a bag of Poro products to sell and while working for Annie, who, like we said, would become Sarah's biggest rival in the care care industry, she meets a pharmacist named Mr. Schultz. And they're chatting. They're chatting about the hair products. And Sarah was like, what if I made my own product? Hot. Hot. That's why I'm just like, I love, cool. I love her spirit that she's like, why not me? Because, like, I'd be terrified to do anything like that that's like so outside what i like know or have like learned exactly it's like where, where to even begin and she knows that she can do it and the whole time she's just so inspiring because she is just like at whatever cost i will get to where i want to be truly and to like take those risks as a black woman in this time exactly like, damn exactly uh, so schultz gave her suggestions um as to ingredients and sarah spent her evenings experimenting and she would practice on her sister-in-law and her nieces which <laughs> would be scary i'd be like no <laughs> respectfully no, no. and then she finally thinks that she has what she needs in her product so she goes out in the town. She starts trying to sell her product. And she she said that one night she had a dream. And in that dream, a big black man appeared and told her what to mix for her hair. Some of the remedy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Who doesn't love that? Truly. You know? she, um, some of her remedy was from Africa. And she be- believed this miraculous concoction was nothing less than an inspiration from God. So... I think Sarah knew her clientele, and I think she was like I. I think she was a brilliant saleswoman for sure. And she was like, people are gonna love this story mm. because even on the show, one time when Annie was like in a room, and I don't know if this event actually happened because Annie was like 
her competition. And then all of a sudden, Madam C.J. Walker was like, just so you guys know, I had a dream last night and God told me to give you a discount. So buy two for one right now. People love the like <laughs> the God thing. Pe- people love that in the which in that time. So let's talk about what was in this product because she said, "Yeah, what was in it?" Yes. So you know how she said some of the remedy was from Africa. Nothing in Sarah's scalp ointment appears to be exclusively from Africa. She was probably referring to coconut oil. Love coconut oil. I know coconut oil. It's great for everything. 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 Natural lubricants. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we just got. Hopefully, we're working with a product at some point. Yeah. Ladies. Let's call it out, Tess. We're saying it. It's a lube. It's a lube, okay? <laughs> and we hope that you guys please pay us. <laughs> we won't mention the name until they do. Exactly. But just know that that might be in the works. So, <laughs> Okay, so what else is in this product? Thick petroleum, which was for her oil, oil-based, beeswax, which was used as a stabilizer, copper sulfate, and precipitated sulfur, as sanitizing and healing agents. And at the time, sulfur was commonly used to treat dandruff. But sulfur stinks. Sulfur is a, yeah, lingers. So this is to treat your scalp or to straighten your hair? This is not to straighten the hair. This was to treat your scalp and have your hair grow. Oh, okay. She does have stuff later that helps straighten hair, which was kind of controversial at the time. And she was like, I'm not trying to... like go to the white standard she was like i'm just a hair culturist i just want your hair to grow and be the way you want it to be right and she's a businesswoman so if she's like black women do want this whether we should do it or not i do want to like have the product right available so and then this with sulfur speaking of that that was kind of the problem with annie's product is that everyone was like this stinks so bad i mean sulfur smells like rotten eggs you don't want to put anything that stinks on your head no you really don't so um sarah put violet extract perfume to mask the sulfur smell and then there was a disinfectant um cobberlic this isn't a science podcast sounds right cobberlic acid for a separate treatment oh just got dark where we are they're shutting us down they're setting the mood i actually prefer it okay it's nice (laughs) i just can't think about it so so that's what we have in our product Got it. Now, Mr. C.J. Walker, they've been keeping in touch. They were writing each other letters. He's still back in St. Louis. Okay. But he moves to Denver. And right after her 38th uh, birthday, they get married. So she becomes Mrs. C.J. Walker. Okay. So C.J. becomes Sarah's business partner, actually. Guys, it's tough. We were literally just talking about this last night. Yes. It's just like keep it separate. Th- I can't imagine being in business. Like I think to be in business with your boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife, like it has to be so low stakes. And I think it has to be something that you think of together. If any, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really hard when one person comes in and they're like, oh, I'm going to help you out. Like, yeah, it's just a boundary not to cross, I think. Exactly. Well, he becomes her business partner and he does start helping her out and coming up with ideas. He's like... You're going door to door and selling to people right now. We should start doing mail orders so that we can send it and like expand to even more people than we can just like walking door to door. Um, he's also like, let's rename the company. So they make the name Madam CJ Walker Wonderful Hair Grower because Madam CJ Walker sounded French. It sounded fancy. It's chic as hell. It is so chic. Madam CJ Walker. Love. Wow. Love. Yeah. Now, if you remember, <laughs> The um the product she was using before was um the Turnbow's wonderful hair grower. <laughs> are we gonna are you gonna bring it to Bravo? No, do it. Oh my god, skinny girl, tipsy girl. Yes. 
oh my god it's it's, it's literally guys annie sat her down and she was like it's not even a competition okay it, yeah like and then she starts crying yeah and then madam cj walker just starts it's crying. literally skinny girl versus tipsy girl it is and like obviously i think i think she would say yeah i was inspired by annie turnbow's wonderful hair grower yeah i mean that's it's cutting it close sweetie it, it's literally tipsy girl and it's literally skinny and girl. look i would be mad too like of course I, if someone came out with a podcast called wrong answers mostly i would be upset i'd be pissed of course so don't do it don't you even think about it no I you just, haven't seen us mad no and you don't want to you don't want to <laughs> so and it did make annie mad and annie also i think felt like you had studied under me Ooh. and now you stole stuff. But, um, but that's also just the way of business. It's just the way of business. And Lilia, her great-great-granddaughter, noted that if you look at medical journals, the mixture of petroleum and sulfur have been around for 100 years. So neither one of these women really created this recipe anyways. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like Madam C.J. Walker added the violet, you know, or the lavender smell. So and thank it, God she did. Exactly. So it's it's just like she did a better version of what Sarah had done. And exactly. Sarah, Sarah, you should have added some perfume to that. Um, like, Annie. Oh. Sarah did. I know. There's so many Wait, players. Madam C.J. Oh, Walker yes, is Sarah. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. No, but exactly. So it's like. But that is business. Sorry about it. I know. I know. It's tough. Know. So, again, Sarah sold her products door to door. And while she did this, she was teaching other black women how to groom and style their hair. And the women in Denver could not get enough. Amazing. She sold it by giving them a free treat. She's like, I'll give you a free treatment if you buy the product. You got to invest. You, you got make to. money. Exactly. And then she would also show. This is what I heard on the podcast History Chicks. It said she would show her before picture. So I'm wondering, she must have had a before picture. I just feel like photographs in these days were pretty rare. But I guess they're becoming more common if it's like early 1900s. Yeah, I mean, you just – yeah. 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 But people cannot believe it because this was also the time where it's unregulated, where companies could literally be like – you will age backwards 20 years if you use our product. Exactly. And they didn't have anyone checking it, so you could say whatever you wanted. Was the FDA around, you think? Um, I don't – I don't think so. That'd be an interesting, yes. Like not just the FDA, but an episode on like all of regulation those stuff of so many. I completely agree. And like, what was the thing that made them be like, okay, we have to do this? Now. <laughs> you know, it was probably so dark. It was so bad, so concerning. But so like, people seeing her long hair and in real life, they were like, wow, this actually works. Wow. And it was also like true vulnerability and like connecting with these women to be like, I am going through what you're going through right now. To show before picture and anything can be really humbling. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> It could be really humbling. So it's going so well that she's able to stop working as a cook, and she's but she's still only doing part time with laundry. Which I'm like, I you're like let the go- let the mouse go, let the mouse go, Sarah. But she's like, like, God, I need the cash. She's a Capricorn too. She's always going to be working. It's mm. just in her blood. And so she puts her income, all of her income, back into her business, and her name's really starting to get out there. She was making a couple hundred sales a week, so it's going well. But Sarah's like, I know this could be so much bigger. I have to go out there and like meet other people in different states myself. It's the only way to. It's the only way to do it. And become Ms. a millionaire. Yeah, and Mr. C.J. Walker was like, "That's gonna be a waste of money. Like, you shouldn't do that." And she's like, "Shut up!" Yeah, literally, you don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. And so he eventually goes with her. So um, 
they so in 1906 sarah puts lilia and her four cousins all women in charge of the mail order and manufacturing in denver so that uh, she and mr cj could go travel through the south and the east to expand business and then she starts making more in a week than she was making in five weeks yes. or sorry five months oh oh my god <laughs> I, I kept typing five weeks it's five months she's making more in a week than she was making in five months as a laundress wow god that feels good yeah it feels really good. One day we'll we'll get there. We'll feel what that feels like. Join Patreon for seven ninety nine. Please do. Always plug in. <laughs> Always promoting. We have to be. So as she's growing, she's like, I can't be everywhere all the time. I I need more of me. I need to like clone myself. So she starts training other women to sell products and to apply the treatments just as she would. And this would allow her to expand and would provide good employment opportunities for black women. Amazing. So she started with 25 sales agents and soon the company was making $5,200 a month, which, Claire Culator, is over $100,000 a month. A month? A month. How much do you think she was like taking? That's a great question question because she's like i mean she has to pay 25 sales agents she damn. has to pay well, i don't know she paid her daughter and she's like you get a house and hey, that's good enough so and, you know expenses of the products it, i feel I like know. she probably paid her employees well right she did yeah she did so um the, it was going so well well the mail order business that it was almost too much for five people to even keep up with at home in denver and speaking of Denver, Denver's great, but it's not the business hub at the time. Like, we're moving up, so it's time to move. They moved to, in 1908, Sarah, Lilia, and Mr. CJ relocate to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And she opened a factory and hair school called Leela College. I love that she named after her daughter. I know. Cute. I know. So at Leela Col- um, College... She trained women to become hair culturists because the focus was not on matching the standard of white beauty, but in caring for and preparing customers' hair so that it had a chance to grow and thrive more naturally. Uh, We love to see it. Right. So she was so passionate about black women having economic independence that she set up training programs in the Walker system for her sales agents to not only earn enough money to survive for themselves – but to be able to provide for childcare and schools for their children as oh, well. Because she knows how hard it was. So she's not only lifting up the like lifting women out of poverty, she's also helping the next generation. Because she's giving them an education. This is what happens <sighs> when women step into leadership roles. Literally everything gets better. I agree. I everything agree. gets better. The economy gets better too. Like it's no just kidding. a proven fact. No kidding. I think about how many people watched the Super Bowl on Sunday because of Taylor Swift. Guys, it was the most televised thing since the since when was since that? the moon landing oh that's crazy it just shows that like women want just to i mean look at the past summer of the girlies like with beyonce and taylor and barbie it's True. like look the, what can happen the girlies have cash ready and they're ready to spend and the girlies are ready to support and to lead and to lead and to lead mm. so sarah taught um in her in her classes or like in her training she taught these women that worked for her that confidence in your appearance would bring success if you feel good you look good and if you look good you feel good and that is like true it's just true there are just days where it's like obviously yes natural beauty love yourself no matter what of course that's not what we're talking about we're talking about like doing what makes you feel good you know it feels good to wash your face and to like do your hair and to, totally to like not have greasy hair exactly like that's just gonna like how i looked at spotify like it has changed how i walked in today <laughs> same we had a few martinis last night and lord knows hey 
it is what it is sometimes. <laughs> it you is know? what it is. Uh, and in her training materials, she advised for women to not only take pride in their own appearance, but to pamper and encourage their clients to feel valued and confident and important, which would in turn be a force for good in their homes and in their communities. Of course. It's all a cycle. It all is in... Text text your girlfriends right now. Text two of them and just tell them like how amazing they are. You know how proud of of them yes. that you are and how gorgeous they are. Like we all just need to hear that. Totally. From, like we just begged you to like thirty seconds ago. You know, and like it's not a bad thing that that can make your day. No. To, have, to see someone and they just say, "Oh my god, you look amazing today. You look yes. beautiful." And like really, what Sarah was doing was building a community, and like community women need community so desperately and and that can be in so many ways that can be like i think some people also are like intimidated by community because it's like does that mean i have to go to some function with 100 people community can be like we have a community here yeah like claire and i having this podcast just the two just the two of us and then on top of that we have you guys and like yes it can be people like yes the people that you listen to the same podcast that you're listening listening to oh my god something's taking over me i'm feeling empowered That's your community. That That's people community. you can reach out to. And it, it changes your life. Truly. We, we should do a Ram Reddit, I think. Uh, yes. Okay. We Someone suggested that in Patreon. We see you. Shout out. Thank you. Yes. And we would love nothing of more. Of course. Than just making this all about us. Exactly. Classic. <laughs> in addition to training in sales and grooming, Sarah also showed other black women how to budget, build their own business, and encourage them to become financially independent. And how important is that? No kidding. So as all this is happening, she's becoming so successful. She so badly wanted to make a connection with Booker T. Washington, and he was the voice of black entrepreneurship in America. And she wanted his help, like uh, his help, his advice, and she also wanted him to endorse her products. Like it would be a game changer yeah. for her. Um, so she would constantly try to reach out to him, and he would just kind of dismiss her. Excuse me. Do you think he was sexist? <sighs> I kind of do, Tess. Yeah. I think that this time it's like – and that's why it's it's frustrating for Sarah because it's like she has to deal with so many prejudices. Of course. You know, and even within her own community, and that's really unfair. Yeah. Um, So Sarah wanted to speak at what was called the 1912 National Negro Business League to speak about her journey in business and – he so she reaches out to him and was like, "Hey, I'd love to do this." And he's always like very non-committal about it. He's like being super flaky and like never confirms. Annoying. Annoying. He disliked the cosmetics industry because, per Washington biographer Lewis R. Harlan, they quote fostered imitation of white beauty standards. Which wow, I, that's like complicated. It is complicated. I also think it's kind of unfair because it's like how much research, how much did you really know about Madam C.J. Walker's company? And like if you're dismissing her, you're not sitting down and talking to her about what her company is. No, exactly. At least before making a decision like that of like what you think is right or wrong, talk – get to know yeah. her and, and the product. And I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I almost kind of translate it as also being like – it's vanity and it's not important. It's belittling it like yes. we see so many men and CEOs yes. and business people do to women's experiences and Exactly. And what we want. I mean, we still see that today. Like, oh, you like makeup, you're stupid. Yes. You 
get a spray tan, you must be vain. Exactly. Like, it's all of that and stuff. And it's like a woman being the CEO of a makeup company is not – It's it's not as serious yes. as the CEO of, like, a tech company. Which, again, it's like – but she's empowering all these women, which is running the world. And then it truly makes you – Go into your own businesses and it exactly. helps the economy. It's like, let women just be, do whatever they want. Exactly. So that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting that's from him. Annoying to it, me. Yeah. So she, uh, he, so he d- never like says, yes, you can come speak at this, but she goes anyways. And then an audience member, um, at this meeting stood up to ask if, um, He's like, can we hear from Madam C.J. Walker? Because she's in the crowd, and I'd actually love to hear what she has to say about business. Yes. Was everyone like, <laughs> yes. Um, well, uh, Booker T. Washington icily dismissed him by calling on another attendee. Yeah. And then after Booker T. Washington called up several other men to present, all with smaller businesses Ew, than he's Sarah's. Thre- he's threatened by her. That's like... I, yeah, it I think he just like does not understand her at all, and it's really disappointing. So after he um, calls up several other businessmen to present all with smaller businesses than Sarah's, Sarah stood up and addressed Washington from the audience. She said, quote, Surely you're not going to shut the door in my face. I feel that I am in a business that is a credit to the womanhood of our race. I went into a business that is despised, that is criticized, and talked about by everybody. She then described how um, she came from cotton fields of the South, became a washerwoman, a cook, and finally the head of her own company. Quote, I am not ashamed of my humble beginning. My object in life is, is not simply to make money for myself, but to use a part of what I make in trying to help others. I have chills iconic to be like she's reclaiming her time literally standing up and then i'm sure people are like oh actually yeah let's hear from her and how she got like you're a loser if you're gonna pretend that this woman doesn't matter he then openly ignored her calling on (laughs) calling on the next male presenter as if madam walker had not uttered a word nothing pisses me off more it's just so not fair it's not fair so after this though the people in the room were like oh shit like she she how did you get to where you are and i actually do want to hear from you so she starts traveling around and giving speeches and eventually booger t washington comes around um when it comes around around now (laughs) yeah when he i think when he sees how much money she's actually making and hearing from other people um she uh, makes the largest donation to the in- Indianapolis YMCA, and he was also a donor in that. So I think that he was finally like, okay. He um, later, she was later called by Booker T. Washington as quote a striking example of the possibilities of Negro womanhood in the business world. So I'm glad I'm glad he made it to the party finally. But my God, it, yeah, no, I am too. But God, it's hard. It also must just be so frustrating when you are like, you are the leading black entrepreneur in our entrepreneur in our country. Like, what what more do I need to show you that I also like what we could do together? Exactly. You know, yeah, like let's all be on the same team. Why not? So on a personal level, Sarah, you know, Sarah Sarah Star is rising. So and so we know it's good. The marriage is, is declining. <laughs> That's exactly right, Tess. That is exactly right. Um, yeah, Mr. C.J. Walker was not handling it well. Not well, bitch. Right. He he starts having affairs. He starts drinking. He's like, she's making more money than me, and it makes me sad. He wants a breadwinner. He wants your dinner, dinner until he ain't hungry anymore. anymore. It's so classic. It's like perfect for that. Oh, classic. 
Uh, so yeah, he uh, he he was jealous. Yeah, she files for divorce in 1912. Get a girl. Get a girl. But Tess, is it what Titanic? No. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about the Titanic. No, but actually, it's um, <laughs> 1912. <laughs> it's a Titanic. She's like, is it? Are you going to say something? I have to, pre- I have to pre- pre- she was prepare myself. Staying in the same. She lived in the same town as. Um, Molly Brown at some point. Rich woman too. Yes, it's funny that you say that. I wonder Molly if they were Brown friends. and somewhere else. I'm sure like they must have known each other. Molly Brown was supposed to be like really generous known of each other. And, like like with the women like for the women. For the women. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they must have known e- of each other at that time. Chic. But luckily, you know, Madam C.J. Walker was not on the Titanic. Oh, um, thank God. They just divorced in 1912. But um, Mr. C.J. Walker would, like, keep pleading with her and, like, trying to get her back and stuff. Mm-mm. But then, Tess, he had the formula. He had the recipe. And he no. tried twice <gasps> with two different girlfriends to knock off her products. That is just – how did he not succeed? Because he's – can't he's not her like okay. she's just like never as he's never as good as her okay well thank god say it with me trash trash trash, trash not, not for us, us. <laughs> completely that's why i was like in the beginning cj walker like great fine and he's just that, so fragile off that what a loser with two different girlfriends that's disgusting oh my god this is like my greatest fear like <laughs> I, I hate when someone takes credit for your work it's not okay it's not okay but then it's like but then like the yeah. cream always rises to the top Wow. You know? So um, besides that, things are actually going great for her. She becomes – she's becoming more rich. And in about – around 1913, Lilia moved to a new townhouse in Harlem. And soon Sarah follows her there, leaving the day-to-day operations of her company to her management team in Indianapolis. She's like, y'all got this. I'm going to New York to enjoy myself. We love. We love that. And in 1917, Sarah commissioned – Vertner Tandy, who was the first licensed black architect in New York City and a founding member of the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity to design her house in New York. And this house is, it's huge. Like it is like a mansion. It's beautiful. Oh my God. Do you know who lives there now? I don't. I I assume I, it's, it's still around. I would assume I could be completely wrong that it's like a museum or something Mm, to her. So she's enjoying the fruits of her labor. It cost $250,000 to build. Um, and it became a gathering place for community leaders and to inspire other African Americans to pursue their dreams. Damn. Before her death in 1919, Walker pledged $5,000, the equivalent to $77,700 in 2019, to that's what the equivalent was in 2019, to the NAACP's anti-lynching fund. At the time, it was the largest gift from an individual that the NAACP had ever received. Oh, I have chills again. She's like, she truly was like, I might be rich, bitch, but like I want to give it away to people as well. One hundred percent. She gave nearly um, hundred thousand dollars to orphanages, institutions, and individuals. Her will directed two thirds of uh, the future net profits of her state estate to charity. Oh, what an um, angel! Yeah, and I I forgot to say this. She didn't start her company until she was thirty eight. Like that's really when she gets it going, which is like such a good example that it's never too late for you to start. Literally, we talk about like we talk about this personally all the time. Yes. It's like 
do whatever. If you want to have a career change in your 50s, 60s, whatever. Do it. Do it. If you want to start something new in your 30s, do it. Truly. Like, you know, Madam C.J. Walker started her company when she was 38. Many of her company's employees, including key management and staff positions, were women. Mm -hmm. By 1917, the company claimed to have trained nearly 20,000 women. That is crazy. I'm like, how do you even keep up with that many employees? Wow. An angel. Um, and in, in addition to training and sales and grooming, she showed other um, – oh, I did – maybe I I did say that she trained them also and encouraged them to become financially independent. Mm. I can't remember if I said that stat, but like 20,000 women, that is I mean, truly wild. Incredible. It's a huge company. Huge. Sarah died on May 25th, 1919 from kidney failure and complications of hypertension at the age of 51. Oh, she was I, young. She was young. I mean, in 1919, though, 51 probably was like – the average age if not like a longer life which is crazy um at the time of her death sarah was considered to be worth between a half million and a million dollars she was the wealthiest african-american woman in america um and her daughter lilia later became the became the president of the madam cj walker manufacturing company and then lilia used her wealth to power the harlem renaissance in the 1920s these women are incredible incredible in 2013, Sun, Sundial Brands, the company that owns popular hair care labels like Shea Moisture, purchased Madam C.J. Walker Enterprises with the blessing of Walker's great-great-granddaughter, Lilia Bundles, who wrote the book upon which self-made the TV show is based. Sundial relaunched the brand as Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Culture, selling items like shampoos, conditioners, and hair masks exclusively at Sephora, and the products are still available today. I can't. I know, and I feel like you know, Madam C.J. Walker has inspired so many women. We know Beyonce's coming out with the hair care mm-hmm. line. If you're a fan of Real Housewives of Atlanta, obviously Kenya Moore hair care. You know, like she just. Yeah, it's amazing. We will forever feel the impact of Madam C.J. Walker. That is for sure. Truly. What a pioneer. What a pioneer. And that is Madam C.J. Walker, the first self-made female millionaire in America. I had the best time listening oh, to this. Good. I really did. I feel like really inspired and emotional. Good. And like we're recording, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I hope so. Hope so. Yeah, that was, I saw it as a movie. I uh, love those episodes where I'm just like, I see it. I just keep thinking celebrities are passing I know. us by. But it, they might be, guys. It's a busy day at Spotify, they said. So it really is. That's you know why that we're, we're not doing lookout. video. <laughs> you know we're on the lookout. We always are. But yeah, that was just so um, so lovely. What a lovely story. It. She just really inspires me and makes me want to work harder and really go for Go for what you want. Yeah, there's nothing holding holding us back. There literally is Ladies, nothing holding us just back. Remember that, and don't want anyone to tell you no. And the words of Chris Jenner: If someone says no, you're talking to the wrong person. Wow, it all goes back to Chris Jenner. <laughs> the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. That's right. Well, Gorgeous guys, Claire. That was great. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, make sure and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Right Answers Mostly. We will be posting a carousel so that you can follow along with the story and pictures and videos. If you like this episode, just share it. Please do. Please, guys. It, you know, it just helps us so much. It helps build our community. Yep. And there's nothing more important than community. There's exactly. If Sarah, uh, if Sarah taught us one thing. Damn. Well, she taught us a lot, but she that really is definitely did. one of them. She really did. And just, like, have a great day again. Yeah, have a great day. Um, and, yeah, text a girlfriend right now and just be like, I'm proud of you. I love you. You're a beautiful angel. Please do it. And we love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye.